Hey y'all, I'm Maddie, author, speaker, and certified sommelier. I think we can all agree that life can get pretty tough at times. So I'm going on a journey to uncover how some of my favorite people are chasing joy in their lives. And I'm bringing you along with me. Through personal stories and funny encounters, I'm chatting with authors and entrepreneurs, musicians and brands to learn how they hang on to the good in life, even as the trouble comes. Because as life gets hard, joy is a choice we can make together. I'm Maddie, and this is the Enjoy Life Podcast. Hey guys, what a cool episode I have for you today. Uh, It's kind of a two-parter. The majority of the episode is going to be an interview with Robbie Goldsmith, who is a dear friend of mine and a very successful entrepreneur here in Nashville. He is the founder and CEO of two of his own companies here that focus on entertainment and beverages and hospitality and golf. How fun. He's also on the board of multiple nonprofits here and is a big philanthropist in our city. And bonus, he is the CEO of my dad's brand new bourbon whiskey brand, Silver Belly. So I've gotten to do a lot of work with him sort of as an ambassador for the Silver Belly brand this year and got to be a part of working on the final blend for the whiskey. And so we talk a little bit about that, which is really fun at the beginning. And then we do dive into a lot of his successes and failures over you know his last 15 years in business as an entrepreneur. So anyone who's in that arena and needs some encouragement, some wisdom, just to feel a little bit less alone if you're in that grind right now, this will be a hugely helpful episode for you. We talk a lot about a personal loss, a big personal loss that he faced several years ago at the sudden and tragic loss of his dad and the kind of downward spiral that really sent him in as he did not choose healthy outlets for his grief. And then at that rock bottom moment, sort of the steps he took to really honestly and courageously and vulnerably build back a life that's even better now as a human, as a friend, and as a businessman than he could ever imagine, man. It's all about perseverance and perspective and positivity. And what's even cooler is that we start out the episode with, I have to say, the most special guest we'll probably ever have unless I get my mom on here with my dad, with Alan Jackson. And we get to hear about his heart behind Silver Belly, the story behind it, which (laughs) it comes from a pretty funny story. He tells kind of about the beginning of his career as a singer and songwriter. And we talk a lot about his writing. And just like Robbie, how at the loss of his dad, my daddy, Gene, gosh, over 20 years ago, that he started to write to process that grief. And and it started out being, as he said, a kind of traditionally sad, somber, lost song. And in that moment, he put that aside and chose to choose joy. And he chose to write the song Drive that you probably all know and chose to focus on and find the joy where he could, as he told us, by celebrating all the good memories and all the ways that Daddy Gene had poured into his life, rather than focusing on the pain of not being with him anymore. And so there's just so many parallels. Both these guys are such successes in their own fields, in their own ways. And it's a really beautiful conversation about loss and and sort of the joy of the silver linings when you open your mind to see them. And of course, about all of our favorite Silver Belly whiskey. Dado, welcome to the show. <laughs> Thank you, Sugar. The way we start the show is by asking people what would be their walkout song. And I'm curious if you have one that kind of would play, you know, behind your life right well, now. Well, I think it's tough to pick one. It depends on which where you're walking out to, you know. <laughs> From walking into AJ's Good Time bar, it might be Merle Haggard's Back to the Bar Rooms again. <laughs> That's if, I'm, if I'm walking out into my life which is more realistic, uh, I would probably pick a song of mine called Remember When that's just uh, a lifetime of memories and and uh, experiences out of our family's life. Does it mean more to you now than when you wrote it? How old were you when you... It was a while ago. I was probably in my late mid to late 40s when I wrote it. I can't yeah. remember how when it was. It, yeah, I would say definitely... The, when you look back at the what the songs say in the lyrics, it, 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 as I get older, everything like that, you cherish it a little more. Yeah, I think everybody knows that. That's yeah. a good one. Well, I do want to ask you about Silver Belly because Robbie and I talk a good get a bit about it, and I've gotten to be kind of involved in it, which has been really fun with my background and everything. But 
tell our people like the story behind it and what the label means and the name and how you came up with all that. Well, it's been a long time coming. I've, you know, it seems like everybody, especially celebrities, jumping on the whiskey wagon, whiskey and rum and everything <laughs> else and tequila. But I've been trying to do this for years, and uh, we just—I don't know. It seemed like every time we got started in a direction with it, it didn't work out for one reason or another. And I, you know, and like a lot of things, in retrospect, I think it gave us time to learn more about it and to and just—I think the timing was just better. It was where I, my life and career, too, for it to come out when it did. So it, it worked out better that it's taken so long to get there, even though we're like everybody else out there uh, having some kind of uh, alcohol. But I've just I've always been a Jack Daniels drinker, not a not one of these uh, real serious bourbon drinkers. I, I, I just never have had much experience with all the the ones they have now that are so special that, that uh, people collect and buy and drink. But uh, So I wanted to do more of a whiskey, but this is a bourbon whiskey, but, of course— uh, we finally got it figured out and got the deal working, and it was a, a learning experience in, in some ways because of the, just what all it took to come up with the the recipe. And, yeah. Uh, and we worked with their distiller and uh, with the it's Green, right? The Green Distillery up there. Mm-hmm. That thing? Yeah, I can't almost forget the name. Green, Green River? Green River yeah. up in Louisville, right? We'll check yeah. It. yeah, make sure. <laughs> we'll check it. But their master's uh, distiller fellow worked with us and and came up with uh, several options for the mix of the whiskey. And, of course, you and the other girls and my son-in-law and boys uh, at the time, everybody helped us figure out which one that tasted the best. And I tell you what surprised me about it, because, like I said, I'm not that experienced a whiskey or bourbon drinker in, uh, in a lot of different trying a lot of different ones, but since it came out, uh, the, I've had quite a few people who do drink a lot of different bourbons and whiskeys, and uh, I've had so many nice comments about that, it, and they seemed surprised that it was yeah. smooth, smooth yeah. and it tasted good, and so I was happy about that, of course. Uh, yeah. Anyway. I think I think that was the goal with everybody, and I think they did a really good job. I mean, yeah. I know I was involved in it, but you know, you want it approachable, with water, like you love it, and you want to make fun That's cocktails, right. which we've done. And I just, you know, being a country singer and songwriter, it's, whiskey has always been such a big part of the music and songs and and lifestyles of artists over the years. And I've written a many song about it and sung a many other people's songs and recorded songs about it. And so it it just felt natural to want to do something with it. And the name Silver Belly came from uh, the... Uh, Stetson hat I've been wearing for thirty something years. It's just the color that they that I I don't even know how it wasn't anything planned. I think the first I bought my first Stetson in Nashville right after we moved here in nineteen eighty five, and and it was a it just happened to be it was a bone colored you know light gray bone colored and it was a silver belly and that's well I wore that hat for years. I mean because it was. Hundred dollars in, and that was more than Denise and I couldn't buy anything back then. It was very expensive. <laughs> it's a good investment. Us. Yes, and I wore that hat for years. I wore it all over the country and in bars. It turned colors because it got some cigarettes <laughs> back then. You know, cigarette smoke yeah. was so thick in the bars and everything turned brown. So it didn't look much silver belly there toward the end. But I wore that thing to the White House a couple times. That's awesome. Everywhere else, so anyway, that silver belly hat just got to be my thing, I guess. And uh, I tried a black one on a couple of photo shoots and videos i don't i'm too pale wear black <laughs> but uh so anyway that ended up being the name of this whiskey it's cool and and what else is really cool about it is the way they're labeling the batches each new batch that they do however many gallons or barrels that entails yes is labeled after one of your i think 35 number one hits yeah we got 35 number one and about 60 singles that have been top yeah. 10 or top five so they got a lot of songs to put on the bottles if we sell that many so, yeah it's really awesome but i think the fans especially i mean most people probably won't care but the fans that, that, that really know the songs we might enjoy having a bottle with each song title on there yeah collecting them and it, we're very early in the run for sure i think it's the second or yeah, third single on, started with real world and they're on wanted already uh, yeah i'd like to have that collection myself 
think we could probably make that happen. <laughs> well, one of the ones that I know people will look forward to tremendously, which will be down the line, is Drive, which I don't know where it ranks in your biggest hits, but I'm sure it's very up there. Obviously, it's really special to me. We're part of the video. and Yeah. The third verse about us girls, and I, I want people to know, which if they're your fans already, they know, but kind of the story behind that song, I think it's pretty clear. It's about Daddy Gene, who's your dad and my grandfather, but the reason you wrote this song is a lot of kind of the message I want people to hear from the show. Yeah, I mean, it's the story was when he died, uh, I remember flying back from noon and after I don't remember if it was after his service or after he just died and I had to go back. Anyway, it was after he died. And, and I, of course, immediately I just was emotional and wanted to, felt like I wanted to write something. And I, I started writing a song on the airplane. And it was just typical kind of passing song where it's sweet but somber and sad. And I just, I, I wrote just about the whole thing. And, and then I just, I didn't throw it in a trash can, but I just decided I didn't want to go that direction. It's kind of like you're, podcast you know you find joy where you can and and i felt like i wanted a a song that reflected good memories of my daddy and what all he brought to us yeah and that's where all the drive lyrics came from and that's you know he didn't ever say much he didn't say he loved you even you know and he just but he he didn't have to Mm -hmm. you know and he uh just his what he gave us as a person is what i remember and and I wanted to to try to show that somehow in a song. And I think, you know, his way of showing his love what he did. He, he loved cars and mm-hmm. driving and all that. And that's what he gave me. And, uh, and I'm still a car man. Yes, yes, you <laughs> are. Speaking of, writing, I guess, has obviously always been an outlet for you. That's what you do. You're a songwriter and performer and singer and musician. When did writing start being that sort of outlet? For you, you know, I was just an ignorant country boy in Noonan, Georgia, and when I had that band, you know, and we sang and around at a little club or two, and people would always say, "Oh, you sound good," you know, you've been on the radio. So it, as it kind of progressed, I, I thought about going to Nashville, and uh, I didn't know anybody ever hardly left Noonan, you know, to do anything. And and uh, some guy told me, "You need if you go to Nashville, you need to." have some of your own songs or material. You can't just go up there singing everybody else's songs. You'll just be like the jukebox. And the only guy I knew that had a recording little four track studio in his basement was this boy that worked at Bruner's shoe store. And he had, um, he had a little rock and roll band. It wasn't country, but anyway, he let us go in there and, and, uh, to cut a couple of songs. And, uh, I, I didn't have any songs. So I had to start writing them, you know, and at the time mom and I were, she was flying the airlines, and we had sold. We had always moved from one house to the other, and we sold, and I was living in this little house trailer down on the lake, and that's when I first started writing songs. And uh, so I, those, I went in and cut a few of those in that boy's studio and took them with me to, to Nashville. Is that, I don't want to say your favorite part, but is that the part of your career that you've enjoyed the most? Well, I, I think, yes, it's what it's more fulfilling than anything. It's like you can be a singer and go out and tour and do all that, but it's, you know, it's kind of like you're just doing the same thing over and over. When you make an album or write, especially when you write a lot of the songs for it, then that's create creating something. And that's, it's just, you know, it's just a, it's a challenge. So it keeps you interested a little more. You know, if I didn't write, I think I w- would have gotten bored with just <laughs> singing a long time ago. Yeah, because it's, it's great to write something and it become a hit, or people, you know, or love it, to, or they have fun with it, or they're touched by it, or whatever. It's just great to see that, and uh, I, I would have enjoyed writing. For, I would love to hear other people sing my songs. You know, the few times I've heard people sing my song or record something I've written, that's really cool. Well, it's very evident that people connect with your songwriting, as you write a very high proportion of your songs relative to a lot of artists. And I mean, across three and a half decades and all sorts of countries and demographics and generations and age groups and all that, like, why do you think it continues to connect with such a diverse group? I don't know. I, I mean, I'm not trained, never had any kind of formal training or anything, really, but especially in the music business. But I don't know. I, uh, I've been told by 
people that I work with and that I respect, and they tell you they always tell me I write different. You know, I don't write like everybody else. My stuff's just is different. I don't know what they mean by it exactly, but uh, I at least try to. I'm very visual, and I've always when I write something, I'm usually seeing what I'm writing mm. as much as anything. And that, I don't know if that matters, but I I don't know. I just I guess I just was blessed with the ability to write it somehow that uh, comes from the heart and and uh, people connect with it somehow. That's what I like to think that that's it. And uh, and then a lot of my songs I write out of my life are true, just true, true experiences. But at the same time, they they relate to other people. And mm-hmm. an example and surprised me was when uh, Jim McBride and I wrote Chattahoochee years ago and just about the river and runs through Georgia that we grew up close to and it filled the lake that we skied on some but anyway it, it, uh, and when we cut that it was a fun up-tempo thing about coming to life kind of coming to age kind of song rather and uh it, you know I, I thought well yeah it's a fun song and I like it and people in Georgia are gonna like it. nobody in the rest of the country <laughs> the world is gonna care about Chattahoochee know what it is or care about it but then I learned right quick that everybody has a Chattahoochee yeah it maybe called something else or, or not even a river at all but it just was a story was something people could relate to in their life for wherever they were from. So you just never know. <laughs> yeah, so. you got Chattahoochee pretty wrong. It's <laughs> Everybody loved it. One of my favorite stories about uh, early writing was when I just, we, at least I just moved here, and, and she was gone a lot flying. I was by myself a lot and never lived anywhere but Noonan, homesick. And, mom, and uh, it was Mother's Day coming up, and I was kind of uh, – wanted to write something for my mom when I wrote that song home mm. that, and that was I wrote it and I think I might have written it in the basement of that old brick house over there best I remember but that we stayed in but yeah that was just a true story about the house and the, the whole story mom and daddy and starting and and uh, I stuck that song in a on a cassette and made a demo and put it in a sack full of a whole bunch of other songs that and I'd written or co-written along for the first several years in Nashville. And Keith Stegall used to make fun of me for years. I had that paper sack. <laughs> he said, every time we cut an album there, you'd show up with that sack. And we'd pull out another 10 or 12 songs and half of them be hits. Uh, we that's finally, so about, finally, I think, with the sack gave out there after a few albums. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, I'm obviously not a musician, but I love you writing. You could be if I you wanted to words. be. I could. I can play about three chords <laughs> well, very poorly could, on that beautiful could, guitar over there that you got all, me. All three of y'all, my daughters, are good singers. They could, y'all could all sing or do whatever if you wanted to do it. But I will say I love writing, and I think as I've grown up and learned more and, and gone back through a lot of the stuff that I didn't you know, understand as a kid that you wrote, I think what's different is that you write really profound things with really simple words. And I think that's hard to do. And I, it's something I've tried to learn because as a writer, I err more toward, you know, bigger words and things and, and not in a in a way that can disconnect from other people. And that's because you're a lot smarter than me. You have, <laughs> that's not and you what have I was a, saying. And you have a lot bigger education, so you got to be like dumb yeah. like me. And then you don't, and you got a very small vocabulary, so it, it makes it simple. I think it's <laughs> it takes much more skill to, to write something profound with everyday language. That's my I, opinion. I agree, for and, what I, and I do strive for that, but it, it is. And country music, especially, you know, today it's a little different type of country music, but for years it was all, a lot of it was uh, very simple and profound, and, and even the melodies, people don't realize mm-hmm. how they're very simple, chord progressions and this, that, and the other, but I've played in the early days when you play a TV show or something, they wouldn't let you use your band, and they'd bring this big orchestra out with all these hipsters playing, and <laughs> they could not get the groove because yeah. they can't feel it. They, it's just a different, you know, it's a special feeling. Do you think there's another album well, for I, you I, down the road? Yes, I would hope so. I I mean, I may not tour much, but again, but uh, the, uh, like I say, the creative part jumps out every now and then, and I'm always scribbling down ideas and, and thinking about melodies and I, I feel like there'll be some more music to come yes well, i hope so i think everyone else does before we wrap up we always ask at the end of our conversations just what is something that's bringing you joy in your life right now well you know that i mean <laughs> our whole family's all joyful for uh, our new grandbaby yeah first baby grand, jack first grandbaby and, and 
grandson, my first boy in a family. I, you know, yeah. Most people know I had four older sisters, the only boy, and had three daughters, and so this is a new experience. I'm sure he'll have a little uh, scooter car as soon as he can walk or crawl. <laughs> the grandbaby, of course, is overshadowing for us right now, but you know, this whole podcast and your whole book writing and a lot of your inspirations and things that have come the last few years came from some heartache and you've turned it a lot of it into joy and and on that message i that's we are again joyful and very excited about connor coming into our family and your life and and uh, looking forward to y'all's wedding this spring coming spring yeah and, and uh so i have to say that too <laughs> well thanks dad i love you love you too sugar y'all isn't he the sweetest? I mean, I know you love his music, but don't you just love his heart too? He's the best. Thank you, dad. All right, y'all. I don't know about you, but my parents have always been some of the biggest inspirations in my life to live well, to enjoy life, to go after crazy dreams. I've seen them do it. And as you've heard here, dad's latest project is Silver Belly Whiskey because it's another way he wants to connect with friends and fans. And you can bet it has been a big part of our family gatherings and celebrations over this past year. So now you guys can pre-order Silverbelly's next unique label, the Chase and That Neon Rainbow batch, which we'll be releasing soon. You can pre-order and buy the other batches on silverbellywhiskey.com. And because y'all have been so supportive of me and my family, Silverbelly wants to offer a 10% discount during the months of February and March. So head on over to silverbellywhiskey.com and use the code JOY for 10% off your next order of Silverbelly Whiskey. Now, saddle up for an inspiring conversation with my friend, Robbie Goldsmith. Robbie, thanks for coming. Thanks for having me. Dude, I'm excited. We're going to talk about business. We're going to talk about whiskey. And where we're going to start, though, is where we always start. And because we're in Music City and because I grew up in a music family... I want to know if you had a walkout song for mm-hmm. life right now. You know what I'm talking about because you're an athlete. You know how baseball players had walkout songs. Yes. What would that be? Something that's like the tune of your life right now. I feel like this is such a hard but awesome question. It's It'll stump people. Because it can change daily. Totally. Yes. And it doesn't have to be hype. It can be yeah. like anything. Yeah. Well, completely off the record from my profession, my favorite artist right now outside of your father is <laughs> Zach Bryan. Yes. Okay. Connor loves him. Love him. And Oklahoma he has a smoke a, show. Yeah. But he has a song called Burn, Burn, Burn. Yep. Okay. And it's kind of about how one of the lines in it says, like, get dressed up on a Friday night to go hang out in some ego filled crowd is where I feel most alone. And I like wow. so resonate with yeah. that. Like, that's just not me. Yeah. And I've always kind of felt different. Like being out. Like I feel most comfortable Monday through Friday chasing my dreams. Yeah. Like that's where I get every Monday. I am jazzed, ready to go. Send out motivational texts to my friends who hate it. Yeah. (laughs) And like for me, like Saturday night is just not. It's not. That's not your time. No. Yeah. So that and then he's like talks about how he's a simple guy and likes like the simple things, whiskey, all the fun stuff. And I think for right now in my life, burn, burn, burn. Yeah. I like that. And that's surprising, I think, just knowing you and what you do. I (laughs) mean, you're so connected to the community. And so, you know, you have three different businesses and most of them, you know, kind of focus on fun, like entertainment and music and alcohol. And so it's that is such a that's such a beautiful and kind of like painful little picture of that's where you feel most alone. I'm going to have to listen to that one again. Yeah, it's a great song. And I feel like there was a time in my life where it was not that, right? And yeah. it was more, you know, we've all been to Tin Roof <laughs> totally, on Saturdays. Yeah. But I think uh, right now, yeah, Zach Bryan, burn, burn, burn. I love it. We'll play it so everybody can hear it. So awesome. All right. So you are the CEO of Silver Belly Whiskey, which is dad's whiskey brand. Yeah. And this has been such a fun six months or so is just how long I've been kind of involved because we launched in June of 2022. But give everybody sort of the rundown on Silver Belly and like how you got connected in your role and the whole backstory. Cool. Yeah. So Silver Belly is Kentucky straight bourbon whiskey distilled exclusively for Alan Jackson. 91 proof 
juice. And the backstory really is I have helped marketing for the bar and for your dad's albums for a couple of years. Yeah. And I was sitting in a meeting with his manager and I saw an empty whiskey bottle under the table. And at the same time, my marketing company had been doing whiskey marketing and I had some friends that made it. I was like, what is that? And she was like, that's a project that, you know, Alan's wanted to do before he retires at some point. And I said, Okay, I had no idea. All I was thinking about, like, I want to do the marketing for yeah. it. And then I was just like, hey, like, if that doesn't work out or the current deal doesn't work out, just please call me first. Yeah. Because I think I can help. Literally, fast forward six months, your dad's last album came out. It went amazing, right? Awesome. And then I'm, I'm in the middle of the desert with my mom on an ATV at my little cousin's wedding. <laughs> And, and she calls and, and I'm like, oh, she wouldn't be calling me. Yeah. Something's, something's going on. I need to answer this. So pull over, somehow have service in the middle of Arizona. And I pick up the phone and she's like, hey, do you remember that deal? And I said, yeah. She goes, well, it fell through. Can you do it? And I was like, let me call you tomorrow. Yeah. So that night went back to the hotel, called my business partners in Knoxville. And I said, hey, do you guys want to take a shot at this? This could be amazing. And yeah. they both said, absolutely 100%. Called her back the next morning and said, yep, we're in. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And then I think it just came to a natural point where they all kind of looked at each other and looked at me and they're like, well, you're the one that makes sense yeah. to do this. You know, the brand, obviously there's a little bit of trust there and you know that world. And yeah. so that was kind of how it all started. That's so cool. And you are an entrepreneur, you know, serial. I don't know if that's a compliment or not. I think it is. <laughs> and so it was natural for you to step into that position. Yeah. Completely new industry. And, and previously I'd been in events and marketing, which I you know had done fairly well in. And then now learning Christmas Eve is going to be six months. Yeah. And I feel like it's been four years. It's done incredibly well, like has blown all of our expectations out of the water. It's been like. wild. Yeah. I mean, six months in, we're in 17 states working on getting in Canada by the, like at the turn wow. of the year. Yeah. So, and it's, it's, it's rapidly expanding and then just the knowledge we're learning and how we're applying it to the business and how to change it. I couldn't be more excited for next year. Yeah. I've loved watching you and getting to know Jason some is uh, on the team and just seeing the business side of things, because as you know, a quote unquote retired sommelier, <laughs> like I know the wine world and it's somewhat similar, but somewhat different and always loved bourbon just as a consumer. And so, you know, I have enough knowledge to have been a part of kind of selecting the blends and yeah. and that whole process, which was really awesome and get to help promote the brand. And, but you know, I'm just, I'm not a business person. So it's been fun to see y'all do that and just how it's taken off. And I think, it's hard for me to even imagine if I were in the driver's seat, like how do you make a new bourbon brand stand out? Because it's such a saturated market. And like, I mean, just for the sake of us learning from you, like if you hear people say there's nothing new under the sun or there's no new idea, you know, or whatever, but like whether the bourbon or a business or a podcast shoot like this, like I feel like all the markets are so saturated. How do you, how do you, you know, stand out and how do you make your spot? Like, yeah, the With anything new, really. That's by far been the hardest part is like, you know, you walk into a liquor store today, there's a thousand yeah. different whiskey bourbons, a thousand. And you have to figure out how to differentiate yourself. We're blessed that your dad's attached to it, right? Yes, Having the Alan Jackson yeah. name is step one of, oh my gosh, this is different. Yeah. And that's why historically celebrity liquors have done so well because they have someone attached to them that has a fan base. Yep. And so that's immeasurable. But then also it's just... You know, luckily I have a background of cutting edge digital stuff. I know how to do all that, the targeted ads, the yeah. the content creation. We do all that in-house. So that that gains it there too. But and then and then what I think currently we're learning is like this is not a 12-month sprint. Yeah. Like yeah. this is going to be a multiple year, 12 hours a day, every day, yeah. continuously grow one step at a time. And every every small win needs to be celebrated and every small loss needs to be learned from. Yeah. So I think that's, I thought naively we could come in and we would put this on the market because it's, yeah. it is what it is and the whole world would buy it. Yeah. And while people love it, we're learning that there's certain things that go into it that make it a little bit trickier than we thought. So yeah, it's been like drinking from a fire hose yeah, I'm sure. for six months, <laughs> Yeah. but I, I finally feel like, and also- we launched the brand in 90 days, essentially. Yeah. To get it out about, in time for spread. tour. Yeah. <laughs> right. So so that was the thing where we're now, now we have time to catch up and yeah. it's, you know, we're learning what we need to do. So I think, yeah, if we're, I'm proud and we're super proud of what it's been. Yeah. But I really think we have some special stuff coming. You are a bourbon drinker as well, right? I'm a not just a business. Bourbon, whiskey. Yeah. Wine. What, what got you into that? Anything? 
Like, was your dad a bourbon guy? Because that's no. what, like, that's, I think, honestly, why I love it. I grew up seeing dad drink whiskey and water. And so when it was my time, I was like, whiskey it is. Unfortunately, it was Jack and Diet for a long time. <laughs> yeah. I've definitely hung that up for about a decade. But. Yeah. No, I mean, I think, you know, in college, we all drink beer and then you just naturally evolved. And I think as we got older and more into business stuff, totally bourbon and business go along very well yeah. together. And also I love to golf and like, that's yeah. kind of what it is, right? So you just find yourself in the situations and then you start to develop a palate for it. It's super fun and, and yeah, so blessed to have the trust of y'all and, and everything to, to kind of try to lead the ship. And, uh, yeah, it's been cool, but no, not, I, I, I wasn't before, but like I, as of the last 10 years, like long before this project, totally. I turned into yeah. it. So, you know, I have a, I have a nice little collection of my yeah. premium bourbons at home. I love it. And I'm always on the hunt for like, everyone's like, Oh, you only drink silver. I'm like, no, yeah. I love Pappy Van Winkle. Like, yeah, if exactly. I can find a bottle, I'm getting it. So I have my favorites as well. But, uh, but Silver Belly being what it is and having brown sugar as the main ingredient is like, for me, I love a sweeter bourbon. Yeah, I, I do too. And that's what it is. And it, so it makes a phenomenal fashion or Cosmo. And, and uh, yeah, so I love it. It's, yeah. I definitely, I've, I definitely drink my fair share of it. Let's, yeah, let's I think we all that. do. I'm very happy with where it ended up. So yeah. I love it. Well, okay. In addition to Silver Belly, you are the CEO and founder of two other companies, yep. Vessel Media and Rocket Experiences, and you're on also the board of like a hundred nonprofits. Just and, two right now. Okay, but okay. Yes, I was yes, gonna yes. say you're very philanthropic and involved in the community and just really busy. Was entrepreneurship always your goal? Like, how'd you get to where you are with these three companies? And also Nashville. Like, I don't even know. I know where you went to college yeah. because we went to Which, UT. Yeah, together. Uh, the real UT. And But how'd you get to Nashville? Like, give us a little bit on you. Yeah, so um, grew up in Chicago, from the suburbs of Chicago, and have been an entrepreneur since I was a child. Like, literally, my mom has pictures of me with lemonade stands and oh, hot dog classic. stands, the yeah. whole thing, like at sports tournaments or whatever. Went to UT, studied essentially a custom-built curriculum for entrepreneurship. There wasn't at that point a major, which yeah. there is now. So I worked with the professors there to like kind of put together courses, accounting, marketing, all the cool. things you need. Started a t-shirt company when I was there selling t-shirts to drunk football fans. Um, <laughs> Maybe I bought one. Yeah, right? Like, essentially made enough know. money to take my friends to the bar that night and yeah. then buy more shirts for the next week. And then graduate there and quickly learned that you couldn't survive off of selling t-shirts yeah. to football fans in Knoxville. Moved to Nashville, chased a girl here. All right. Um, and uh, worked for Enterprise Rent-A-Car. No, you did That was my first job. At like where, like at the airport? Like, no, what does uh, it look like? Brentwood Cool Springs, awesome. Franklin. Cool. I always tell people, and like, I'll speak to kids in college, and I'll be like, yeah, you've seen the movie Step Brothers? And it's like, <laughs> they give yeah. you the tools to be your own boss. And not, now these college kids will look at me, they're like, no, I've never seen that movie. I don't know what you're talking about. And I'm like, no, dude, oh we're my aging gosh, it's, it's I know, awful. so old. <laughs> So, so did that. And then, uh, yeah, essentially knew that wasn't my path left there and started volunteering at the Nashville Entrepreneur Center. Cause my theory always is you get as close to the sun as wherever your sun is. For me, it was entrepreneurship. Yeah. You get as close to that sun as you can and learn. Yeah. I like right. That. So I, so I started volunteering there. Luckily got hired there. Worked for three years at the Entrepreneur Center, met everyone in town, all the big investors, all the big business people, people who I wanted to emulate. Yeah, yeah. And then, uh, yeah, decided in 2015 to go out on my own. Launched and don't hold it against me, Nashville's first bachelorette company. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Should we blame you? Uh, or do you get hate mail? Or I have gotten a lot of it. <laughs> I just take credit for being the first person to try to make money off of it. Yeah, it, fair. That's totally I, I think fair. it was happening either way. Yeah, you might as well make I definitely some. didn't hurt. I definitely, I definitely didn't hurt the scene, Yeah, but that happened. Uh, so did that for five or six years, had a TV show on CMT. Yeah. That was a hugely successful. Yeah. Business. I don't know about that. Well, I don't know. Yes. The show only did one season. Show did one season. CMT ended up never making television again, as far as like shows. Yeah. We were the last show they ever created. Huge learning thing. Fun experience. Wouldn't wish it on anyone in the world. <laughs> um, but it was cool to be like, I think at some point in my life, I'll look back and be like, I was on reality TV. Yeah, it's at a bucket one list, you know, check it off and move on. Yeah, some life things happen that I'm sure we'll talk about. And that really transitioned into my two other companies, which is Rocket Experiences and Hustle Media. Hustle is essentially a social media marketing agency, full service that we can do content creation, paid advertising, and community management for all types of brands. But we like to focus on beverages, obviously, yeah. golf, and entertainment. Just I because. Mean, what a great yeah. gig. Like, what else? 
Yeah, well, well they're my, my three favorite things. Yeah, so might as well. I said, do what you love. Exactly, and that was kind of part of it, um, and the shift we made in it, and it's worked out really well. Beverages is majority what we do because of things like Silver Belly and other clients, and then Rocket Experiences is what the Bachelorette Company actually turned into. Okay, we do corporate team building events for all the thousands of people that come to Nashville for their conventions, and we fo- focus those on local charity philanthropic givebacks. Yeah, that's so cool. So they can come and do a scavenger hunt with us downtown on Broadway, but at the different stops, they'll collect pieces of a box that we'll then put together, they'll put together and we'll donate to the kids at Vanderbilt that are fighting cancer. And, you know, stuffed animal builds and all that kind of cool stuff that for me, there was a very, you know, transitional period in my life where I was like, I need to start doing things that help others. Yeah. For the first seven years, I just partied on Broadway with Bachelorette. <laughs> and <laughs> while that was fun. great in my t- mid-20s, yeah. um, I got to a- after I turned 30 that I was like, I want to get back more. I want to help. Yeah. And through that, I still think I can be successful. Yeah. And uh, it's, it's ringing pretty true. Yeah. I think a lot of people's very natural and reasonable hesitation for, you know, being super philanthropic, especially as a business is just that it's going to hinder you from succeeding. And I've interviewed a couple entrepreneurs I think of who, I mean, they they give 20, 25% of their profits back. Sure. And she just, you know, her she her testament is it, it just always ends up benefiting us in the long run. Obviously, like emotionally, mentally, spiritually. Right. But have you had to adjust to keep the business... I don't even want to say afloat because it's thriving. I mean, how would you encourage people who may be fearful, I guess, is the question. I just think that when we're doing something that fulfills us and that we love, we'll do it better. Yeah. So for me, like when we do these rocket events, and it's not a huge business. It's a very small business. I have one employee, but I've never felt better Mm. leaving a day of work or leaving an event than I do with those. And it's just like you, we like yesterday, you know, my, I have an employee now since Silver Belly started, I hired in all my companies and I said, this is my, I'm going all in on this. Yeah. So I have an employee, Corey, and she's amazing. And, uh, she was yesterday at Vanderbilt donating teddy bears to hundreds of kids that are, that are, you know, will hopefully be okay. Right. But there's no guarantee there. And to bring them joy and to send and to know you played a part in that. And it is a for-profit company, Yeah, but we have such a philanthropic component that it, it, it hits both sides of the pendulum. And it's just, yeah, it just makes you feel, it makes me feel really good. I'm sure it charges you for the grind of everything else. 100%. Too. And going to one of those events and just seeing the way people interact and then being able to donate and help. You know, we help the kids with cancer. We help single family, single mom families, um, you know, homeless, food shelters, all that stuff are different things that we offer. And it's just great to know that most people come here from wherever they're from and all they want to do is drink on Broadway. Yeah, That's yeah. what they want to do. And when we can kind of say, yeah, cool, you will do that. But also, that's awesome. When you go to AJ's Good Time Bar and drink Silver Belly, yeah, you're yeah. also gonna be helping a charity afterwards that is local to Nashville yeah. and is impactful. One hundred percent. I mean, giving is an investment. Like that's a weird kind of counterintuitive thing, but you're investing in the city, you're investing in yourself, and it just always, I think, will come back as a reward, even if it takes a little bit of time. So I love Absolutely. that y'all do that with Rocket. What? What fuels you most about all of this? Like you, pretty textbook successful entrepreneur. Again, I hope that's <laughs> yeah, a compliment. I wish. <laughs> <laughs> but like, what it, what fuels you about it? You know, I write down in my planner on a weekly basis, like what motivates me or what yeah. drives me. And it's always been, I've always had this theory of, I want to have the freedom to do what I want, when I want, mm. with who I want. Yeah. And to me, that's like, you know, have the open schedule, the financial freedom to do all those things. And with who, like... Hopefully one day will be my family. Yeah. But if we want to go somewhere, we can go somewhere. And I think I'm on my way there. So I think that's the overarching thing that drives me. Because if you look at people in the world, most people don't get that luxury. No, not ever. that freedom. Yeah. And and I think me knowing I have the self-confidence and the, and the skills to build that, yeah. that's kind of what keeps me going. One thing that I really want to hear from you on is this idea of the hustle culture, which is not new. I mean, your media company is called Hustle Media. It is. But I feel like in the last, like, probably five to eight years, there was a huge, just, there was a huge surge in talk about hustle. It just, like, became one of these cultural, iconic terms that I think was really glorified. And then almost on the opposite end of the spectrum, like, the pendulum swung, and then it was kind of seen in a really negative light and kind of dragged through the mud. And I think for good reasons on both sides of those things. So I guess what I want to know from you is like, have you been on that toxic side of hustle? 
And also what is the line between toxic hustle and really healthy grind and hard work? Yep. Because I think that's the line that is hard to toe. Yeah, I think I've been on both sides and and that the toxic side is working 16 hour days with no stop and not really getting anywhere and maybe not making even the smartest decisions and how to get where you want to go. But on the good side, which I believe is very important, is I truly believe in life. Everything that makes a difference is done in that extra mile Mm, Yeah, where everyone decides to stop. If you're willing to give that extra little bit, which could be time. It could be money. It could be just the way you do things, right? And that's where I think the magic comes in. And I take that with Silver Belly, with Hustle, with Rocket is like, if we can go the extra mile above our competitors or other people, it'll all make a difference at the end. And I feel like if you just living that way, like in relationships and everything, like give that little extra bit. And over the course of time, you'll start to separate yourselves from everyone else. Yeah, I like that because it is obviously living above the status quo is how you find success in anything, but just do the mile. I like that. Like you don't have to run a whole nother marathon every day. No, That's not going to help you. No, out. exactly. And it's not even always more time. It's not, it's not more hours. It's how you do things. Yeah. The attention to detail, the little things that you reply that email when you could reply in two words, but the four sentence explanation is what makes a difference yeah. for a client or friend or whatever. That's what I try to really live by and, and preach to my employees of like, this is what separates you yeah. as a person. Well, and past a point, I, I don't mean from business, but I mean, I did used to run half marathons and stuff. And I remember getting to a point where I was so obsessed with the training plan, which is a great thing. Yep. But I would get to a point where I would continue to stay so strictly on the plan for fear of not succeeding Right. that I was actually hurting my body in the meantime. And I remember getting to the point where it's like, if you can't give it 100%, then you're hurting more than you're helping. And that's kind of what I'm hearing you say. It's like, if you've hit the threshold, yep. start, get back on there tomorrow, do the extra mile, but like rest your legs. Yeah, 100%. Lately in my life, I've found myself needing more sleep. Yeah, I, I've found myself when I get more than seven hours and less than nine, I feel amazing. But when I get five to seven, I feel terrible. And a lot of my choices would be like, let's do six hours and a workout instead of seven and a half hours. And I think that's actually for me a bad decision right now, at least where I'm at in my life currently, because lately I've been really trying to focus on sleep. I spoke at the Entrepreneur Center and a guy came up to me afterwards. He goes, hey, I asked you a question about what do you do for self-care? And I was like, I really don't do much because I'm working (laughs) all the time. And he's like, here's what I want you to do tonight. Sleep eight hours. That's my only ask. He's like, he's like, I'm a therapist and I work with entrepreneurs, he goes, I think most of our problems in life and anxieties and disorders can be solved by sleep. Yeah. So I slept eight hours at night just because he told me next day felt awesome. Yeah. It's so simple. So, and sometimes it is. And I'm so lately that's been, I know it's a sidetrack out of our thing, but that's like combine that with those small decisions that make it. So like back to your training, sometimes you just need to know what your body needs. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Well, no, and that's not a that's not a derail by any means. Self-care is a big thing that I wanted to talk with you about more on the personal side of your story. And, you know, you alluded to earlier, you had some stuff happen mm-hmm. in your life when, you know, you were just kind of growing the Batch brand and the TV show and all that. Talk to us about that. Talk to us about you lost your dad at that same time and where that left you personally and professionally. Yeah, that was like by far the biggest thing that altered my life. Obviously, most traumatic experience, right? So my dad passed away on my 30th birthday. We're on vacation together at our lake house in Michigan. We have a little cabin. It's kind of in northern Michigan. And uh, yeah, he was experiencing uh, heart failure and we didn't really know it. We, th- we knew something was wrong, but we didn't yeah. think it was that. He got he got let go by the hospital to go. So it was like a thing. But uh, yeah, just was literally cooking me breakfast. And unfortunately, it uh, just collapsed. And because of where our place was, there was no help. Yeah. So that was kind of what I dealt with. And me and, and an ex-girlfriend of mine that was there and my mom, silver lining, my sister and my niece and nephew and brother-in-law were on their way. And like, yes, it was, re- it was the hardest thing I've ever dealt with. But- I could only imagine the lifelong of effects it would do on a seven-year-old mm, girl. I know, yeah. While it was awful and, you know, I, I still to this day struggle with millions of things from that day, I try to look at it as like, I, A, I was there for my mom. Yeah. Because what if she was alone? Yeah. And B, what if my niece was there? Yeah. She would never get that out of her head because yeah. it was pretty, you know, it wasn't the best scene. Yeah. So, but what that event did for one year put me on a really bad downward spiral. I was a very bad person. 
Like I just, I turned to attention and alcohol. That's, that was my coping mechanism. He died 30 days before we started filming for the show. Oh my gosh. So you talk about bad timing. And then the show was go out on Broadway every night, drink. So I'm doing two things at once. I'm out till 2 a.m. every night drinking on as a television reality star, yeah. like a, a star, quote-unquote quote star, unquote. right? And at the same time, I'm having to take three Xanax bars a day to not have an anxiety attack on, on TV because yeah. I was going through all these. Essentially, somehow mentally, I took his heart. Mm. And I thought every single day I woke up, I was like, I'm going to die today. Mm. Yeah, that's so much. And I don't know how that happens, but somehow. So what that started happening was I would just have panic attacks mm. and they started about two months after right right before the filming started like literally a week before i went to the hospital the whole thing and it was just That's i never true. had one yeah no it's if you if you haven't i only have like once or twice and it is so they were happening nothing to joke daily about. yeah daily were debilitating crazy. yeah so i was like so that entire dynamic was more than i could handle and I turned to the wrong things and it, and it ended up ruining that relationship. The TV show failed. The bachelorette business ended up failing. I found myself then a year later, single, $180,000 in credit card debt, failed business, failed TV show. And that to me was a big moment of, and it came down to a point where I was like, okay, I need help. Mm-hmm. I can't keep doing this because yeah. I, was, I felt terrible about myself. I was taking medication, which I hate taking medication. And I, I just knew I was not, I needed to, to get help. So I literally just one day just found two therapists, yeah. one that was faith driven and one that was relationship driven. And I went four or five days a week for a year, yeah, probably straight and kind of just committed to it. And then slowly started to climb out of that and then started to also just put all my heart and soul into getting rid of that debt because that is such a... Oh gosh, such a burden. I mean, such a burden, literally and figuratively. Yeah, I mean, it was crazy. Like my interest rate on my credit card alone was a thousand dollars a month. Oh my god! So even get to the principal. Yeah. So like, so starting to build out of that and and grow out of that was wild, and that's kind of how I really transformed everything about like I need to do things that fulfill me. Yeah. Things that make me happy and not what makes other people happy or what I I think people think I should be doing. Yeah. So like, put the bachelorette business away got involved in my charity folds of honor, which I support and a couple other ones and really started to be like, what makes you wholesome? And and knowing all this debt was there and I had nothing, I couldn't do anything about it. I just had to work. That's all I could do. Right. Just start shoveling. And then eventually after, you know, pretty much through COVID all righted the self. And then, and then miraculously, like through all that, opportunities to start happening. Right? Yeah. Well, and it's your son analogy from the beginning, truly. I mean, you were talking about business and being around those people that you wanted to emulate. But like when you hit this sort of rock bottom, it sounds like you took the right steps and reoriented, right? Yeah. Two two things like your philanthropy, two things like healthy relationships and therapists. And, you know, it's just you do reflect what you are nearest to. I mean, that's very simple. Yeah. And there was a lot of things I couldn't fix and I couldn't, couldn't bring my dad back, right? Yeah, couldn't do that. Yeah. Couldn't fix the relationship that that squandered. I couldn't. There was things I knew that I'd have to live with. Yeah. But that didn't mean the future had to be the same way. Yeah. So I really like, yeah, just dedicated to it, and and I and I think that's something that I hope everyone can eventually do. Yeah. But I think a lot of people are afraid to make that leap. To, of course. To change. Of course we are, and I think more times than not, it's you make the choice to change when you don't have any other choices, like rock bottom. Yeah. Different scenario for me, but I, I do get it. 100%. And I think that's why we relate sometimes yeah, so well. 100%. And so I just, I'm so glad. I think we met, not we met, but we reconnected sort of right when we were both in a season of grief. Absolutely. And just to have seen that change and just, again, the life and the joy that comes from orienting yourself to the right things. And I want to know beyond, you know, the therapist, what are some other, you mentioned self-care also like hot topic word, which is important. Yeah. What does that look like for you now that you have, you know, stability and joy and goodness around Um, you? Now it's travel. Yeah. I love going and experiencing new places and things during that hard time. Honestly, one of the craziest things that got me through was float therapy. Okay. I'm so curious. Yeah. Yeah. It's essentially a tank that they have like i went to the one in belmead and, yeah and you'd you float in salt water it's like being in the dead sea yeah and you I've float for an hour and uh that was one of the only things that would calm my anxiety 
Is that that's the result of it is you just because I think the fear, admittedly mine, yeah. is like, what is my mind going to do when I'm just silent? And that's the problem yeah. is like, we're never silent. Yeah. There's always stimulation around us, right? So it was inner body and outer body at the exact same time. You would think about nothing but everything. Mm -hmm. And it was so wild. But for some reason, after like the third session, I was like, oh, this is, I need to do this. This is something that helps me. So still love doing it. Don't do it nearly as often. But for, for, the, for that period of time, that was one of the only things that could really calm me down yeah. and get me to start working out of that, you know, and now that, you know, I think it's a lot of travel is, is really great. I love the saunas, like, yeah. you know, going to a sauna, whether that's an infrared or a steam room or something like that is amazing. Every once in a while I'll get a massage, but that to me, it's like the sauna where it's like quiet, right? Like anytime you can be with your thoughts, yeah. like going on walks for a yes, long time during COVID, it. I would just on a daily, I live in Germantown. I would just walk around the, the trail that goes all through the town, like through the neighborhood. And like, yeah, anytime you can be with your thoughts, I think for me is, is good self-care. So question for you to sort of follow that discussion, kind of two sides to this. Personally and professionally, okay. do you think that loss or failure is required for growth as an entrepreneur and as a person because you've experienced both. I think the, yeah, because I think the biggest trait an entrepreneur needs to have is perseverance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Perseverance is by far the biggest thing I've learned. And I think through, the only way to get perseverance is through adversity. <laughs> yeah, right. And adversity comes in many forms. And, and the farther I grow away, and I don't know if you feel this way, but the farther I grow away from that trauma, the more I appreciate it. And that's oh. such a weird... No, 100%. Like I really, the more silver linings and silver linings playbook, yes, the exactly. more you find, the farther you get from it. Because yeah. when you're so close to it, it's, you're over, it's a burden. Yes. But the farther I get from it, I realize now things that are coming to fruition in my life today yeah. are because of that moment. Yeah. And that's just wild for me to think about. Because people always like, every time I go to one of your, your dad's shows, they're always like, what if your dad was here? Like how proud would he be? Yeah, and like, yeah. that makes me cry right now. But that's just so wild to think about. Like, it's all because of that moment that yeah. all this stuff is happening. And who knows if it would, if that didn't happen. And there's treasure in that. I think that's so what much. we see when we get distance, when we take the steps to heal properly yes. and grieve properly. And I mean, that really truly is the point of the show. I mean, you teed it up for me without me asking. <laughs> it's that you have a choice for joy, right? Yeah. You are a victim of your circumstances and you will be happy when good things happen and we will be grieved when bad things happen. And that's sort of dependent on your surroundings. Yes. But you can choose the silver linings if you have that mindset, if you keep your eyes open for them. And and I was going to ask when you said even about being there for your mom and you know your niece not having to see mm -hmm. that trauma it probably took you a while. Long time. Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was, cause you're so focused on you and yeah. why did that happen to you? Yeah. And what does that mean that you don't really think about a lot of the externals? I thought about the mom thing right away. Yeah. Cause that was something that was like, I, I realized that was happening, yes. but like the other stuff and then all the, and all the silver line that comes with it. Yeah. And life is just, I think life is 90% perspective. 100%. Because like at the end of the day, the way that I see it is a, the statistical chance of us being humans is like one in four billion. Wow. Like literally, that's yeah, what it is. Like in a, in, a, in a weird way, if your parents would have decided to watch a movie instead right. of whatever, yeah. you wouldn't be here. Totally. Or you wouldn't be here in this form. Right. And, and the same. So like, A, that's amazing. And then, not our choice, we get born into the greatest country on earth right? as free people and just... So my ability to complain about anything is non-existent. Yeah. And we all do. It's yeah, human nature. Right. But we are so lucky to be alive in general. And then to be born into a situation that is so fortuitous to us Absolutely. is incredible. And ha I try to keep that perspective everywhere I go. Yeah. When bad things happen, yeah. when good things happen. And I didn't have that before. Yeah. But now like. Because you don't have to until you have to, right? No. And when, I, and, and when I meet people that don't have that perspective, it's almost like I have to disengage. Yeah. Because I, I know we don't, we don't see eye to eye in life. Right. And I'm almost like, I can't. Yeah. Like, I'm sorry, but I can't. Yeah. You know? I, I agree. I agree. It's too short. And like gratitude, another huge like hot button word. And I'm so glad. I'm so glad. Like 
it just is one of the most powerful choices you can make. Yeah, I'm in a Christian men's group. Another thing I found during during the whole thing that has really helped save me, and that's one of our big things, is just it's you know you're writing your gratitude every day. Yeah, what are you grateful for? And it could be little, could be big, but yeah, and it's just incredibly grateful for everything that's happened because it's just yeah, it's, it's it's who I am. Yes, it is. It is. All right. One of my favorite things on your website, which I had never looked at until we were <laughs> doing this, is you list failed businesses. Yeah. You have successes and failures. Yeah. And so to sort of piggyback in, in a professional sense, yeah. why did you choose to do that? What does that mean to you? I think, you know, we have to be authentic to ourselves, like you said. And me being authentic to myself is that, like we talked about, failure in business is good Yeah, because you learn from it. If you learn from it. Right. Um, and for me, I've authentically failed at a lot of things, personally and professionally, and I'm okay to talk about them because there's no growth without it. And anyone that thinks you can grow through life with being perfect, <laughs> there's only one perfect person. Yeah. And it's God. It ain't us. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. So, so like, and, and that took me a long time to realize. Like yeah. that, that whole, you know, I didn't grow up going to church, didn't do that. I know this, you know, that's not really the, the topic here, but like that's, that was big for me to realize that none of us. We all have faults. No. We all are fault and we all sin. We all, yeah. we all are faulted. And it, that took me a long time to realize like, cause if not, it's just being hypocritical. Yeah. I mean, it's, that's freedom to me. That's what, and we can totally go there. I okay. love that. Yeah. But I think for me, I felt a lot of guilt and shame when I would do things or behave in ways that are not me when I was grieving. And I feel like you probably oh my experienced gosh. that too. Yes. And even growing up in a Christian home my whole life, it was like even going through that, it was a whole new understanding of mm -hmm. this literally is not held against you. Like everyone fails, everyone is flawed, and it has nothing to do with who you are and how you're loved. And just there's freedom in that. And it's a shame that some people meet us during those times. Yeah. Right? Because, true. because where you meet someone is not where they've always been. Yeah. And, and, if I, and that goes both ways, but it's, I feel like I, I know there's some people that I met in that time that probably don't think the highest of me yeah. or like whatever, but that's all part of the process. It is. You know, it's just it's refining. Everything is refining. Yeah. But I love that you have that on your page. I thought that was so cool. On the flip side, to kind of wrap up, you are a businessman. You're an entrepreneur. Yeah. How do you feel differently about success? How would you define it differently than you would you know, at 25. Success at 25. And I think this is what college and society teaches us is that it's purely a numbers game. Mm -hmm. And success is the farthest thing from a numbers game. And I would argue that if you do everything else correctly, the numbers always come. Mm, the money yeah. always will be there. Yeah. If you do everything else right and you're a good person and you have the best intentions and you make the right decisions and you give the extra mile, the money just naturally follows. And yeah. and I never thought it would. And, and there was times in my life where I was like, this is never going to happen. And then now I'm on the backside of that. And, and there's always ups and downs in entrepreneurship. Yeah. But I'm in a point now where that was, that happened. Yeah. And it's like, I never intended that. Like it was never be rich, mm -hmm. right? It was yeah. just, you know, and, and I'm far from rich, but uh, you know, <laughs> I do okay. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, and uh, it was just because of that, that kind of happened. So at 25, it was numbers and it was- yeah what's the money sign here? And then now it's like, no, are you helping other people? Are you kind? Are you giving? Are you making other people's lives better? Yeah. And if you can do that, you're as successful as you'll ever be. Yeah. I love that. Can you speak to the people who may be five or 10 years behind where you are, who are discouraged, who have zero joy and zero hope and gratitude, yeah, perspective, keep grinding yeah. because it is a daily there's there's even days with silver belly where i am like running in mud yeah and i yeah. just don't feel like there's any traction and then the next day something will happen i'm like major breakthrough yeah. you know so it's just it's an everyday thing and, and that's that the perseverance to have to deal with that and to go through and just to persevere all that is you know my one of my mentors said in part of my language he essentially said you have to eat shit as an entrepreneur for 10 years yeah wow 10 years bummer and he number. goes, you'll get punched in the face for 10 years. He goes, but if you can make it to your 10, yeah. I promise you, it'll happen. And like wildly for me, I left Enterprise 2012. I was going to ask, has that been true for you? 2012. That's awesome. I love that. And like my first major breakthrough was essentially this year with being completely out of debt from that hole I dug myself into. And then, then you compound that with Silver yeah. Belly. And it's like... 
then you're I'm just like overwhelmed. Like every everyone's always like, How are you? I'm just like blessed. Freaking great. Like so yeah. like so blessed I can't even yeah. I can't even imagine. That's incredible. Yeah. Dude, I'm so proud of you. Thank I'm so you. So excited. <laughs> I really it means a lot to me to have you on here and just, you know, personally, professionally, I think we have experienced a lot of the same things and to come out on the other side with joy, with gratitude, you know, on the other side of those 10 years, man, you earned it. It's awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. Last question we always do. What is one thing, small, big, serious, silly, bringing you joy right now? My niece loves saving and working with animals. Okay. That's like her thing. And she just loves it. She loves horses. She loves, she loves going to clear water to save sea turtles and do all that stuff. So today, so much joy found through a friend, which incredibly grateful for bracelets of a shark, a sea turtle, and a lion that you literally buy and they track a specific animal wherever they're at in the world. That's awesome. On an app. And when the minute I found it, I was like, this is going to be such a gift for her. Like, yeah. cause like, it's just, just, she's going to love it. And I was so like joyful yeah. that I found that for her. So that I was that. today in the moment. That's like literally just like an hour ago. I love that. So it's I can't still wait. Giving. Yeah. Just- I can't wait to see how she reacts to him. All right. Well, we'll put the link to the animal tracker bracelets in the show notes as well, because yes. I feel like there's a lot of people who would be very into that. Such a cool gift. <laughs> yeah. Dude. Thank you. I appreciate your time and we're so glad to have you and Silver Belly and everybody yes. a part of the show. So love it. Thank see you. Ya. This show is produced and edited by Elizabeth Evans Media Productions. Hey y'all, if you're loving the show, go find that little follow button or plus sign on your podcast app. This will ensure you don't miss a single episode. See you next time.